Okay, welcome back. We are going to do a part two of the Ask Me Anything. Thanks so much for the feedback on part one. It's been really great for me to hear everybody is enjoying it and it's been useful and helpful and it's fun for me to hear that. It gives me some confidence and courage to continue to do this kind of thing. So yeah, this is a a second part, sort of different subject matters. Uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And uh, we'll be back next week with interviews and guests and uh, excited to kind of mix it up with more of this kind of stuff and continuing to bring some amazing people on the show. So thanks again for all your support. Okay, first set of questions here is what's, there's questions around what's important and how it changes or doesn't change over time. How does your work in development, how did it start maybe more tactical and has shifted to be a little more conceptual? Um, Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this pretty publicly as far as the development work goes. I um, have really been building what, you know, we used to call purposeful or intentional and now we call conscious communities for the last 15 or so years. I think through my work at Built to Lead and Landmark Forum and Summit Series, I learned through the first part of my career that I really wanted to do things that had meaning and purpose and that made an impact and that were including things like creativity and philanthropy and sustainability and wellness. And, you know, those words have changed over the years, but the mission has always been there. And so I wouldn't say that it's like more conceptual. I think we're just we're just broadening the root vision to make it more full and we continue to lean more and more actually into the very thing that fueled me from the start. And so it's less tactical in that I am not as involved in the day-to-day. So I am more kind of big picture. I wear the visionary uh, hat in the company. You know, if you're familiar with EOS, which is the operating system that we work off of, I'm the visionary. Frank's the integrator. We have a team full of people that hopefully are in their unique abilities and therefore things are a little uh, more self-managed, so to speak. There's a tremendous amount of management that goes into it. But if everybody is really an expert in their lane, then uh, we can all be rowing in the same direction with towards the same aim. And so that's really what I would say has shifted is I'm more focused on the big picture, on the visionary and kind of trying to make sure that the team is executing on on that aim. And so it's really more that my role has changed and that continues to change and will continue to change as we continue to grow or if you know we're in challenging times, which we might be in this coming year, you know, then you have to constantly be recalibrating. It's always changing, but hopefully, you know, that's a good thing. If you're growing, you're changing. Okay. So then how let's see, how do I spend how do I decide who I spend my time with and what I put my energy into? And how important is it to have boundaries? Very important and something I've had to learn. I do try to only 
be with people and do things that I love and that I care about. Sometimes that means you're doing things that you don't love because you care about somebody or some something else that does matter to you. You know, if you want to achieve a specific thing in in your business or in work or in your career, you might have to do some things that you know you don't love to to get there, but it's because it's towards this aim of of something that you really, really love. And that's true for relationships. That's true for friendships. That's true for everything. But by and large, I really only hang out with people or meet with people or work on things that I'm really happy to be doing. That's kind of my stupid, simple filter for who I spend my time with and and what I put my energy to. It's enough. I mean, I probably should filter it even more because I have no problems filling all of my time with people that I love and things that I love to do. Uh, if anything, that's my biggest struggle is time. I think that's our most precious resource. And you know, I would love to spend more time with people that I love and continue to tighten up that filter to make sure that that's the case. And the things that I love are changing. You know, I I don't care as much about some uh, professional achievements or goals or even nonprofit work from the standpoint of like being on boards. I in 2022 rolled off of my last board. If things go according to plan, I will never serve on another board again. And that is not to talk poorly about board work. It's just not for me. I don't feel like that is the place where I can be most effective in trying to be helpful for nonprofits in particular. I've never served on a board of a private company. I might like that more. I just don't want to be anywhere where I can't really affect change and do it quickly or efficiently. And just the nature of boards is there's a lot of voices in the room and sometimes things are happening in executive committee or, you know, by the staff and it's difficult to truly make the impact that I want to make. Uh, I will say I've worked for on many, many boards that I love the organizations and felt great about my time there while I was there. But today, that is something that has shifted and is a boundary for me that I am really just, um, you know, honoring myself. You know, you, you can't really show up for everybody and please everybody. And if you do, you won't be pleasing yourself. And so that's a boundary I've had to learn and feel pretty grounded in. And it's, again, kind of constantly work in progress. Okay, what does it mean to create consciously? Can you define that and, and how does it get implemented? So that's a great question and one that I am spending a lot of time on and am writing about and am working on a project that might turn into a book about conscious creativity. And really what it means to me is being aware. I like the idea of dividing things into awakening, aligning, and expanding. And so that's a concept that I'm playing with and I might do something with. But you know, you first have to be awake to create consciously. You have to 
be conscious. And I know that that sounds, you know, kind of like obvious, but I know for me, I was unconscious for a lot of my early career and into my adult life. I was not consciously thinking about how I wanted to live or create or be. And I think when we talk about creation, we are sometimes limiting it to the arts or creativity or things that we, you know, associate creatives with. People will say, you know, I've talked about this already. I'm not creative. And really what we're doing constantly is being in creation. We're creating our relationships. We're creating our thoughts. We're creating our businesses. We're creating our financial outcomes. We're creating maybe products or companies or work output, or maybe you are creating music or art or any number of things that you know could fall into the physical manifestation of your creation. And so to me, whatever it is that you're creating, and we're all creating and constantly creating, are you being conscious about it? Are you thinking Does it align with who you are? Does it align with what you want? Does it align with what you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to accomplish, what you care about, who you care about? And so that's really how I think about consciousness and and creating consciously. Are you awakening so that you're thinking about it? You've thought about it. You've probably hopefully written about it. You know what it is. How are you aligning to it? How are you in alignment with what you've consciously awakened to? And once you do those two things, it starts to really expand. And that's where it can get fun, where you can now just see all kinds of opportunities that you may never have seen were possible, that things will present themselves. You know, the universe will, will work on your behalf. And the expansion of your conscious creation is endless and, you know, will surprise you and will come in ways you never expected. And there will be a lot of lessons along the way, which you constantly have to integrate. And so the integration process is never ending, but just starting is the most important thing. And starting from a place where you are awake and you are conscious and you are aligned, I think is how I define conscious creativity. Okay, let's see next. Uh, There are some questions around friendship here that are all grouped together. So let me try to tackle these. Okay, so friendship, how do I prioritize friendship and what is it about friendship that seems to be important? Well, uh, that's a great question. I've always, you know, I love keeping in touch with my high school friends and the friends that I've had since grade school. Uh, I love our group chats, you know, when we see each other and taking some trips and stuff to stay connected over the years has been really very fueling for me. There's nothing like old friends. I think having lifelong friends, people that have known you your whole life is really, really important. And I try to prioritize that. And I think that it's also important to recognize that you're, that you change and that uh, for me, I've changed 
a lot and my friends have changed a lot and you know we can have history in common and and things in our current lives in common some more than others and so it's great to have new friends that you know come from maybe relationships with your kids or your work or the community and mostly what i try to do is align myself with people that i find to be like-minded and very interested in the things I'm interested in, even if we're different and we're all different and that's good, but we have some shared vision and values around kind of what matters to, to me. And I like being with people that I can learn from and relate to and connect with and share and be vulnerable and support each other. I've had times where I really needed my friends to support me. And I've hopefully been able to do that for other people. And that's really important. And it's really uh, important to me. It's been a big part of my life. And I think as my kids get older, I find that I have more time and more desire to be in connection with friends. And I'm really excited about the role that friends will continue to play in my life now and into the future. Okay, what does it mean to be a good friend in today's age? Is replying to text fast important? Being physically present, how important is that? Uh, Okay, (laughs) that's a good question. I think that texting is a whole nother subject, like how fast you reply and society's expectations on, on your availability. I have friends that don't respond to text well at all, aren't aren't quick to respond to text, some that just never respond to text. I personally try to respond to text always and as quickly as possible, maybe to a fault. I, I think I should probably be a little less quick and available because if I'm responding to text, then I'm not being present with uh, whatever I'm doing. That's, I think, just a part of you know a calibration that's ongoing. And um, so however you stay connected, I think that's really what's important. Sometimes it's a text, sometimes it's a call, sometimes it's in person, sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's a long lunch, sometimes it's a trip with friends and that are days at a time. I think you're not going to be able to spend the hours, the the trips, you know, on a regular basis. So text and call and connection, however you can get it is really good. And it's just important that you're doing it and that you're not only texting or not texting at all, that you kind of find ways to be in connection physically too. I do think it's great to be able to see people face-to-face, to have lunch, to laugh, to go on a walk, take a hike, play tennis, get together, work out, go for a run, whatever. I think it's, it's really important to be together. And yet, you know, you can't always do that. So um, however you can stay connected is really important. Okay, here's a, yeah, here's a question around kind of technology and connection. So I'll just follow up this last part of the friendship and relationships part here on this question. So so much has changed in the last 50 years. Are people more or less connected than when I was a kid? We were just at a memorial service over the weekend where 
I listened to some 80 year olds talk about how they stay connected in their eulogies. They were talking about staying connected to their friend who had just passed in his 80s. And they talked about FaceTime and email. And I just thought, you know, maybe the older generation is getting the most out of technology and that they're able to see each other and stay in connection and talk and send each other. In this case, they were talking about sending each other YouTube videos. I just think, you know, you can kind of look at things black and white, and I just don't think this is one of them. There's no question that in many ways, technology has been hurtful or not helpful to the younger generation. I do think that there's, if you watch the social dilemma, it's hard to argue. I used to make the argument, yeah, well, maybe we're just getting old and this is like, you know, our version of Elvis shaking his hips or whatever it was that was ruining everything that the TV and, and radio and, you know, every generation thought it was something that was ruining the world. Well, I don't think it's ruining the world, but you you do have to see how it's changing the world. And there's no question that it is causing uh, increased anxiety. And there's a lot of people putting up their best lives and not showing their sadness or their depression or their their bodies or their acne or whatever it is that's, you know, God forbid anybody see what's really happening. That whole thing and kind of how kids have to constantly be on their phones and you can look at kind of the dopamine effects and the addictive nature of it. You know, there's a lot there that I think has created challenges, difficulties, pain, and is is probably not connecting. On the other hand, I think that not just for the older generation, but for all of us, I mean, you can use it to stay connected. You can use it for fun, to share information, to, you know, watch videos and learn something. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of ultimately uh, let's use tech for the good and let's use it to stay more connected. That was one of my big epiphanies during sabbatical, which we talked about, you know, but I I believe that that's really our job because you can't stop it. It's happening. Things like, you know, VR are going to happen. And so I think our biggest challenge is how are we going to use them for good? And how do we use them to bring people together and to stay connected? I'm very intrigued with the idea of creating a virtual community and building opportunities for people who otherwise would not have them to do things as a part of a gravity community. How does somebody who doesn't live in one of our communities or can't afford to live in one of our communities or doesn't live in Columbus even, uh, how do they stay connected or get content or learn through tech? And I think that's a project that we'll push forward probably over the next couple of years here hopefully sooner. Anyway, okay, that wraps up friendship and relationships. Let's see, we have one last section here on Gravity, Columbus, and my career. Series of questions related to that. Can I give an update on Gravity 2 and the progress uh, over on Broad Street? Sure, yeah. So for those of you that know, we're building a uh, what we call a conscious community. I believe it's the largest conscious community in the country. 
And its second phase is opening in the spring. We'll start really uh, opening up, but hopefully by the end of the summer, it's going to really be mostly finished and looking great. And yeah, I'm really excited about everything that's coming together. We have artists locally. We're working with the Franklinton Arts District to curate what might end up being dozens of local artists. And then we have some artists coming in from all over the world. We've already had Chor Boogie, my friend, come in from Costa Rica to do an amazing mural on the south side of the garage. If you haven't had a chance to go over there and take a look at it or listen to the podcast Chor was on. And so we've got some really amazing, beautiful artists all coming in to paint the project. The outdoor art, sculptures, murals are going to be incredible. There's lighting and all kinds of placemaking. And yeah, we've got a lot more coming. Uh, We're going to announce a little bit more on some parks and sculpture gardens and live music. And there's just a lot happening to build this community to be everything we ever dreamed it to be. And it's come together. We're really excited about it. So that's that. You can go to gravityproject.com. We're launching our new website in January. So check it out. Okay, why is it important for me to build conscious communities? I think, you know, we need community, we need physical communities, and we need to be together and we need to be able to have things that are easily accessible. People are less likely to take on things that matter to them if they're too difficult to navigate and they'll just give up. They don't have time, they don't have patience, they don't have energy, even if their heart's in the right place, even if their motivations are good. If it's too hard to navigate, most people are going to quit. So, you know, we're trying to bring everything to the community where you live and where you work. That's always been the idea is like, well, how do we bring you volunteer activities right to the push of a button, right to your front door? How do we bring you a meditation center so you don't have to travel to some place? I used to have to go up to the Holiday Inn on Worthington Road to meet with the TM instructor. It's not convenient. And then it's also not in an environment that is that feels good. You want to be energized when you do this stuff. You want to be excited about where you're going to learn, where you're going to meet people, where you're going to create, where you're going to laugh, where you're going to have a drink, something to eat. You want to go to beautiful places and you want to um, have all those things pretty conveniently available to you. And so that's what we're trying to do with this community is meet people where they are. If you know they want to hop in a cold plunge or a sauna or learn to meditate or have a good meal or you know view some art and hang out with friends or sit in a beautiful space or work out or exercise or anything, we, we want to kind of meet you where you are and find all the ways that people can tap into something that just improves their life, that optimizes their life, that makes them feel better. And I love that. It's really bringing my expertise in business and in real estate and my love for architecture and my love for art and my love for creativity and my desire to make an impact and to learn and to grow and to feel good mentally and physically. I love all that stuff. And I keep just trying to bring it to our communities because I know I'm not alone. 
So that's what it means to me to build conscious communities. That's why it's important to me. Okay, building a team of local like-minded people. Were you always a leader or is it something that you've grown into? Um, Definitely something I've grown into. I would say I have had to learn to lead. I didn't really understood what that meant initially. And I think what it means to me today is really leading by knowing who you are. You know, it built to lead or, or my friend, Christopher Celeste, both, you know, he wrote a book and, and Christopher was on the podcast recently. If you haven't had a chance to listen, it's a great episode, but, and Chet Scott is a regular and both of them will talk about how you can really only lead anybody as far as you've led yourself. And for me, I would just expand on that. It's not that hard to lead when you know yourself really, really well. And when you know what you care about and you know what your vision is, and then you just share it with people and they either are on board and they get it or they're not. Dan Sullivan talks about how unique ability, unique ability defined by the things that you're great at and that you love to do, those are going to add the most value to your business, that there's friction and then there's unique ability. Everything that's not in your unique ability is friction. And so, you know, it is really important to have like-minded people. It is really important to have people that share your values, that share your beliefs, and that share your desire to achieve the vision. And sure, there's healthy tension and there is going to be conflict and it's going to have to get bubbled up. And all of that exists in my organization uh, and has from the beginning. But you know, you continue to learn how to navigate that and to, you know, build those muscles and make sure that you're always rowing towards that big vision. And so, yeah, I've been very fortunate to have incredible team members over the years. And to this day, I think our team is stronger than it's ever been. People are bought in and they are working hard and, you know, none of it happens without the team. Uh, I get to be the guy that's got the microphone and who, uh, for better or worse, is on the uh, cover of the newspaper. But at the end of the day, it's always about the team. It's always about the team. And and thank you, thank you, thank you to my team. Okay. And by the way, that I would say just in the spirit of team, like I have been so blessed with people that support me in all kinds of ways. You know, my therapist and you know others that you know I would say are on the team. You know, people that really su- just support me and support, you know, kind of how I feel physically and mentally. And yeah, there's a lot of people out there that I have kind of leaned on to get what I need. And I would strongly encourage you to do the same, have your people and let them help you. And uh, you know who you are. So thanks to to my team. Okay, Columbus as a creative hotbed. What makes this city special now into the future. It's interesting. I think Columbus is becoming more creative. I wouldn't say that it's always been more creative. I think you had the fashion industry and you had a lot of things, you know, people will refer to it as Test City USA. So you had a lot of, you know, food and fashion that came out of Columbus. But I think a lot of the creatives were coming in from San Francisco and New York and LA and were coming to work at L Brands or Abercrombie or Express or, you know, Victoria's Secret, you know, American Eagle, the others that were here. And, And I think, you know, that's what happens. You know, people come, they stay, they start new things. And eventually there's a an ethos of creativity that that comes 
you know, into the community. And I've seen it grow and change a lot in the last 10 years, even. There's all kinds of super cool initiatives, what Yogi's doing over at the Idea Foundry, what we're working on with Alex Bandar over there too, all the public art, the focus on the arts, what the Scantlands have done with the uh, museum and, and Pazuti's and others that have really leaned into the arts. Our city is blessed with great culture and a lot of creativity. And it is growing. I think you're going to continue to see that more and more. I have been kind of waving the flag that culture, creativity, the arts are actually really, really important for economic development. You're not going to get people to come here from other parts of the country if they can't have those things. They're a part of our lives. They're a part in what brings us joy and fun. And you got to have a really healthy, creative culture that honors creative expression and, and, and the arts if you are going to have a thriving community. And I think Columbus has learned that and continues to invest in that. And there's been so many people that have been doing that for so long. And I think you know, that work is really paying off now that you're seeing you know, these organizations that have been in there doing heavy, heavy lifting with a lot of headwinds, finally, finally seeing that work. So thanks to the GCACs of the world and the fads of the world and all the, the heavy lifting pioneering that went on long before I was around to even, you know, talk about creativity at all. Okay, let's see. General perspective on the Intel deal. Eh, I'm not quite as excited about Intel as everybody else. I do think it's going to change the city. The short term, selfishly, it's kind of a pain in my ass because every contractor wants to go out to New Albany and work for Intel and uh, it's driven our cost through the roof. It's difficult to get labor. So take it with a grain of salt. I'm a little salty <laughs> about Intel, but long term, no question, huge victory. This is what has to happen if you're going to really grow. And um, it will be very good for our economy. No question, it'll be good for my business you know, over time. And um, you know, it's not without its inherent problems. I think it's going to be like anything, a lot of growing pains. But ultimately, this will bring other intels. I know the folks at One Columbus... And the partnership and others, the city, they're working on bringing in jobs and really uh, leaning into the economic development side of things, which no question is important. You know, it provides jobs. It will help people earn more. It will help uh, have more opportunities. It, it will create the intels of the world will pour money into this community, into the arts, into everything that we care about. So... I think it's net-net a great thing, but short-term, some growing pains. Okay, what's next for me? Any plans on retirement? How close or distant may that be? And what's my window into the future for myself? I am very energized about what we're doing. I greatly believe in gravity and greenhouse and I think that we'll really try to focus on executing what we've got at a high level and truly fulfilling on the desire to build conscious communities and hopefully grow that. And for me personally, I'm going to lean into other things that are 
uh, as important to me. Um, the real estate side of things, I think, will continue on, hopefully, and um, <clears throat> will be something that I continue to be involved with. But I'm excited about working on some other projects. We are hopefully going to get back to inner space in 2023, which is a concept that's been on the shelf here through COVID, but something I'm incredibly passionate about and look forward to sharing with you a lot more about that, but really creating communities of healing and really focusing on being able to provide content and invest in people that share the passion for optimizing the human experience and really trying to come together and and heal and optimize and you know live in ways that I think will be to the benefit of all of us. So anyway, that's a little bit of a, a broad answer, but that's what I plan to do for as long as I can. And that will take various turns. You know, I mentioned this book project and we're working on a documentary and uh, really want to lean into the podcast and build out this platform. We've made dozens of angel investments, venture investments. We're co-creating new concepts like Space and other things. And yeah, it seems to kind of be working into some kind of a umbrella organization, you know, there's a nonprofit aspect that we're launching next year called Gravity Gives. And it all seems to be working in conjunction with the same aim. So I don't I don't plan to retire. I plan to continue to evolve and constantly have things that give me purpose. I think that's important. You know, it's the Viktor Frankl and search for meaning. You know, you've got to have meaning in your life. And yet, you know, I do plan to continue to make sure I spend time with family and friends and take care of myself. And that becomes more and more important. And work and money and achievements and other things like that become less of a focus. So we'll probably wrap up here. For those of you that made it all the way to the end, probably a good place to land. If you like it, share it with your friends. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak.